Hello? Hello? Hey, how are you? Hey, good, how you doing? Great. Hey, guys. What's hey, up? what's up? Long time no talk. Good to hear from you all. Yeah, you too. All right. All right. Josh, can, Josh, Jack, everyone here? Yep. yep. Cool. All right. So let's see. But after nine o'clock, watching the, watching the Monday Night Football, my name is Tom Natale. You could find me on Twitter, Tom underscore Natale. Got Jack and Josh with me here on the Hogcast, part of DMC, DMV season. Guys, go ahead and introduce yourselves, please. My name is Jack Brizendine, and you can find me on Twitter at Jack P. Brizendine. And my name is Josh Webb. You can find me on Twitter at Coach underscore Webb LF. All right, guys. Hey, a victory podcast. Feels That's like this has been a while. <laughs> if, we're willing, if we're willing to count the Miami on this victory podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one feels a little bit more deserved. Um I guess. Uh, but, you know, it, it was, you know, there's been a lot of debate. Should we be actively rooting for the Redskins to lose? Or, you know, when it comes down to it, we're just, we're just such big fans that, you know, how could you not root for the team that you love to win uh, every Sunday? Uh, that being said, you know, I, of course, I want the number one overall draft pick. And, you know, Chase Young in a Redskins uniform looks would look amazing. Um, all of that said, as soon as, you know, one o'clock strikes, it's hard for me not to, uh, you know, hope for the best, at least for three hours. Uh, what about you guys? Uh, I actually addressed this last year because after the Alex Smith injury, it seemed like our best bet probably would have been the tank, mm-hmm. which we essentially did with the one mm-hmm. win after that. But uh, I kind of view it as I will never actively root for them to lose, but in this special special scenario, I will not be upset with a loss as much as I would be if they were competing for the playoffs. So I'll accept losing, but I'm not going to actively root for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm always going to root for them. You know, I think that's why I find myself in these, mes- you know, these these anger filled seasons like this yeah. because I want them to win. But uh, you know, I agree with what Jack said. If they lose, then it's a step closer to what can actually make this a productive season in one way or another. But, um, mm-hmm. no, of course, I always wanted to win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, Jack, you kind of worded that perfectly, that, uh, it, yes, when it, when it comes down to it, we're just too big of fans not to root for the team. But, you know, at the same time, I'm not getting as, you know, uh, painstakingly frustrated as I typically do. No, and I, I don't know. I, I, I could never be the guy who, you know, just gets excited after like a turnover or something i just mm-hmm. something about that just it, it doesn't sit well with me mm-hmm. okay so you know it was uh and of course this game would probably be dramatically different had matt stafford um been able to play yesterday at the same time i mean this is a lions team that is also really lacking in in whether it's talent you know coaching staff just you know, clearly they are, you know, I wouldn't say on the same level as us, but they are certainly in the, you know, the, the bottom half of the league too. Not the, not the sexiest, uh, you know, game on paper. No, I mean, it was Detroit's offense was headlined by Bo Scarborough and Jeff Driscoll. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what was going on with Driscoll, but in some of those, some of those snaps that he had, it looked like he was just throwing them up there and it looked like mm-hmm. stuff that we had seen from, case and Colt earlier this year so 
just goes to show other teams are dealing with quarterback issues too. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious if Stafford's healthy, that's certainly a different outcome. I mean, Jeff Driscoll's pretty bad. He looked like Florida Jeff Driscoll, if anybody mm-hmm. remembers him from the college. Yep, yep. <laughs> and I'd agree with that. And, you know, it was uh, – I found myself getting frustrated as usual. But, you know, most of my frustration, and, and that's kind of the what it leads to next, is was number seven was our quarterback. And – um, you know, I, I guess everyone's first reaction is going to be about the selfie that he took with just seconds remaining in the game. And, and I certainly have my thoughts on, on that too. But, guys, where we need to be concerned is, uh, of course, you know, this taking a picture was not, not the smartest thing to do. But uh, what's more concerning to me is his, um, how inaccurate he's been, his un- inability to process and read defenses appropriately. He, um, if it wasn't for this, uh, you know, a gutsy win from our special teams, uh, you know, there would be a lot more vitriol towards uh, Dwayne Haskins, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of expected it once I saw the, the broadcast flash him taking a selfie with a fan before the clock had hit zero, but. I don't know, just sort of the outrage to it kind of shocked me because, I mm-hmm. mean, that's something you can teach a guy. You can't teach a guy to be yeah. accurate. I mean, yeah. it just a lot of the throws. And I heard it was windy yesterday. I mean, you saw mm-hmm. the missed field goals mm-hmm. from um, – Prater. Yeah, Prater. And and you saw how many times the ball just looked like it sailed. I mean, I'm not going to blame it all on wind because to be an NFL quarterback, you have to deal with stuff like that. And yep. you see guys <clears throat> cut it up through the wind. But I don't know. It just there were there were multiple times where he missed receivers that would that would have been walking touchdowns, and that's mm-hmm. got to be a concern. Yeah, it, it's especially for a first round pick. But if you're a professional quarterback, there there are certain throws that you unequivocally need to make. And um, you know, Josh, I would uh, love your opinion on some of these uh, these plays that we're talking about. Yeah, well, first, in terms of the whole selfie thing, that didn't bother me as much as him not showing up until 11 o'clock yesterday. Uh-huh. I don't know if any of you guys seen that. But I saw that. The stadium until yeah. 10.58. Yeah. And, uh, that, to me, was a little more concerning than the selfie thing. I mean, the selfie thing you can get over. He was just he was excited. His first one is a starting quarterback. He's still a kid. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, that type of stuff just happens. But, uh, yeah, the, the showing up. Uh, you know, obviously he wasn't late, but mm-hmm. two hours before kickoff kind of like leaves a lot to desire in terms mm-hmm. of the preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, physically, I've I've been a big supporter of him so far, mm-hmm. but the inaccuracy is really starting to become an issue with me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys seen how many times they made a clip up with Darius Slay and Terry McLaurin. Yep, and McLaren was just constantly getting separation and and winning winning the route off the line of scrimmage, and then the yeah. ball flown ten feet over his head. He he could have had three touchdowns yesterday. Uh, he could have had a two hundred yard day yesterday. And wow, Arius Slay. I don't know if you guys seen him. I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, you know, gave him a lot of you know a lot of props to the young guy. But I mean, at some point, some of these throws got to start getting honed in. Mm-hmm. And you know, he can blame the protection as much as he wants, but. A lot of those throws seem to be, you know, rhythm throws or mm-hmm. timing throws where if you just do your job and get the ball out and accurately, then the, the protection is yeah. not really an issue. So. Especially those two uh, missed throws to McLaurin that both were uh, – should have been touchdowns, especially the first one. 
um, in which Steven Sims was open in the flats too for a, a brief second. I thought he, that would have been an easy check down and just, you know, putting a guy like with, with that athleticism in space. But um, that first missed touchdown to McLaurin um, going to the, going to his left. Uh, I just, I, I, that was really, really bad. What it seems like to me is that he's guessing. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he's guessing the entire time. He's guessing pre-snap what coverage it is. He's mm-hmm. guessing which throw he's going to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he drops back there and he just lets it go, he's, he's guessing on essentially every aspect of it right now. Mm-hmm. And that's a little concerning that at mm-hmm. some point you haven't been able to get through progressions or understand the playbook well enough to to know that if your your pre-snap read is covered where you should go with the ball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of this is starting to get a little concerning that after – I mean, what about basically three or four months working mm-hmm. with them with with this offense that you don't have a better grasp on it? Yep. And I think I think the fact that they won yesterday kind of acted as sort of like a mask over what was an awful, arguably one of his worst performances mm-hmm. of the season, even though it did come in a winning effort. And I think I think had they not won yesterday, people would have been able to look at it just a little more objectively. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, I mean, you you guys mentioned the stuff like the coming in a little bit later and then obviously the selfie thing and then the inaccuracy. And it's like all these things combined, it's like... Red flags. It, especially for a guy that you you didn't invest everything in because luckily they didn't trade up for him. But mm-hmm. it's just, it's a little concerning when that's your top pick. Yeah, so a few things. Josh, if you and I say if our employer tells us to be that at 11 and if we're showing up at 1058 hey cool i'm gonna give myself a high five you did it tom good job <laughs> you're on time you know um but we're also not professional quarterbacks and i i saw chris baker responded to, i think it was mitch titchler that that posted that is that mm-hmm. right josh yes yeah and you know, he's like, well, th- you're making a bigger deal about this and it really needs to be, um, we have to be there at 11. He, what else do you want from this guy? And uh, well, a quarterback is the exception to that. Uh, I feel that he is a, he's got to be the a first door, first guy in last guy out. He is, has a magnifying glass on him at all times. Cause he is, you know, the, the embodiment of this franchise, at least from a personnel standpoint. Uh, yeah, it, it just, it, it looks like a guy, you know, pardon me. He just looks like he thinks his shit doesn't stink. And, um, it just, yeah, I'm fine if I have a, a diva receiver doing that, or, you know, a, a cocky cornerback, but when it's your quarterback, uh, it's, it, it is concerning. Um, and I feel like the selfie was somewhat of a, microcosm of some a lot of our concerns his maturity and his lack of attention to detail not knowing that there are seconds left in the game um it's just not things you want to see out of your quarterback no i mean it's the first thing that i tell my quarterbacks that i coach is you mm-hmm. got to be the first guy here and the last guy to leave yeah and some people that you know aren't involved with the sport may not understand that or think that that's a little overdrawn but uh, at the end of the day, you're supposed to be the guy that has the keys of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're the one that's running the football team. And, and habits, you know, attitude reflects leadership mm-hmm. from, you know, remember the Titans. And, and your team is going to play based on around how your leader acts. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, we, during summer camp, we start our practices at 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. And I tell my quarterbacks, I get here at 515, you guys should be here at 515. 
and you know they show up and they help me set the field up and it's about setting a, a standard essentially mm-hmm. to the rest of the locker room that look we're going to be prepared we're going to be ready to go we're going to put the extra work in and when the quarterback's not doing that stuff who else is going to fall in line mm-hmm. you know you've heard the heard the report you know like Tyrod Taylor that you're on hard knocks he shows up at five o'clock every day Yep. Regardless of what they have going on that day, whether it's an off day, game day, he shows up at 5 a.m. and puts in work. And, and that's the kind of intangibles you got to have to play the position. Yes, it is. This this game can just like any professional sport. Everyone's good. It can humble you. And it's really the, the small little minute details that are going to be able to separate you from the rest of the pack. And, you know, Jack, you mentioned we, we didn't invest a whole lot. And, and you're right. At the same time, anytime you draft someone in the first round, you are expecting to, them to be primarily a plug-and-play, long-term starter, dependable starter for, you know, uh, for more than the length of their contract. And you know, not hitting on first-round picks, GMs get fired for it. Coaches get fired for it. And, you know, it's – yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating just to see – you know, there's a lot of other young quarterbacks out here out there right now that are, you know, not necessarily setting the world ablaze, but, you know, they're, they're competent at what they're doing. Gardner Minshew should probably be starting in Jacksonville right now. Um, all, all of that said, it, it's just it, it's something stinks. And I really hope I'm wrong. I'm probably overreacting. Knowing me, I tend to do so. But it, it just kind of all came to, to fruition yesterday. Yeah, I think, um, like, back to what you guys were saying, with just, like, him as a quarterback and how he should carry himself. I, I, I don't know if it's just, like, a lack of awareness. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I don't know about you guys, but it's, like, when you – if you do have a new job, you want to make a good first impression. It's still his first season. Sure. So, for them to trust him with that position of being the franchise quarterback, you would think he would, you know, show them that he can handle it. I mean, I get it if, like – a guy like Russell Wilson or Drew Brees or someone shows up later. But the thing is, they probably wouldn't even do that, even though they've been established and respected throughout the league. Mm-hmm. And it's just – it's something that – I don't know. I just feel like with one of, with quarterbacks, it's something that you just naturally have. And it's – that's – I don't know. It's something that, that does concern me a lot. That, that was one of the things that concerned me a lot, way more than the selfie did. Yeah, and, you know, I, I saw a tweet the other day that I thought really kind of, for maybe anybody who's listening who doesn't quite understand where we're getting at, was it, it was from a Baltimore Ravens beat writer. Mm-hmm. And he said that he walked, he was sitting in the training room talking to a guy, he, or he was talking to a player, and all of a sudden Lamar Jackson walks into the training room, and he doesn't need treatment. He just walks up to all the practice players, shook all their hands, he, you know, told them that, you know, a, a lot to do with their hot start has to do with those guys in practice. He, you know, he shook the hands of all the training staff guys, asked them how their day had been. Mm-hmm. And and to summarize the tweet, the guy just put, the dude just gets it. Yeah. And, and that's what we're talking about. He just gets it. He understands mm-hmm. that he's the energy supplied to that facility. Mm-hmm. They said Lamar Jackson walks around, he knows all the the names of all the kids of the people that work in the facility, that hang out around the facility and stuff. Yeah. And and that's what it's kind of that family atmosphere that being a leader reaching out to people that you don't have to talk to 
Mm-hmm. You know, Lamar Jackson care less who's on that practice squad. He doesn't need to know many trainers. Just the one guy who constantly works with him. Mm-hmm. But he goes around and puts in that extra effort for that leadership, and that's kind of where we're getting at with this entire situation. Yeah, yeah, I it, think that, in that like term doesn't get it. Yes, and it is. Uh, it's not necessarily definable, but you know, all of the you know good good athletes that we've seen ha- have that uh, that intangible and you know i I just do you guys watch a show um uh last chance you yes he just reminds me of the quarterbacks on there just he does uh, i i i don't know i don't know why it it just feels like uh he seems indignant and just i i know he's a competitor and he's just been so he's so talented that he's always just relied on that physical talent and now that he's facing equal comp- competition or you know superior competition, it's um, he doesn't get it. And I think I know we're playing armchair psychologist here, but anyway, <laughs> he's sort of been set up to think this way because mm-hmm. I mean, all off season he's been told, you know, you're the owner's guy. If it was up to him, you'd be starting. And mm-hmm. you know, Jay supposedly the guy who didn't want him was canned. So it's like, I mean, mentally he's got to have it in the back of his mind that he sort of looked at as the golden boy in that organization behind mm-hmm. the scenes and that he really can't fail. So it's, I get it. It's probably hard for him to, I don't want to say take it seriously because he should take it seriously, but I know it's hard for him to think that he needs to impress anyone sort of or prove anything to anyone. So I, I think he's battling with that. And I don't know. It's just, it's one of those weird situations where I, I just hope we got it right with this guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I think a little bit, you know, this is also the first time in his entire life that he hasn't had a completely structured life mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. You know, when you mm-hmm. become a pro, you have a little more leeway. Like, when you're in college, you have classes at this time. You have a meeting you have to be to at this time. You have to be on the field. You know what I mean? It's kind of a nonstop yeah. daily routine that you get into. Whereas yeah. when you're a pro, it's kind of like, okay, you show up, you do your work, and then you do whatever you want to do. Yep. Hey, do you need to get in shape? Well, be an adult. Yeah, and maybe that's <laughs> a part. Maybe he's struggling with a little bit of the freedom of being on his own for the first time. Absolutely. You know, we say that to kids when they go away to college or they graduate uh, college and go on to their first career. You know, And, and this is really no different. Even though he's an athlete, it's still the same concept. Mm-hmm. He's a kid learning how to be an adult. Sure. I... You know, I, I think we might even see a trend now um, regarding the quarterback position with, you know, I, say what you want about uh, Josh Rosen, but I, I got to get a lot of give a lot of credit to the Cardinals organization. They realized they messed up and they had an opportunity to get a really, really special player in Kyla Murray. And it looks like they were right. And so, yes, I know they they sacrificed a year of, the, you know, their draft assets and, and, and things such as that. But, you know, if I, I'm just, I, I'm worried tremendously that, you know, the Redskins obviously are going to be picking at a, in a high position uh, come this spring. And, you know, that's just, you know, we just don't, I'm not necessarily that saying Dwayne's not the guy, or I'm not saying that, of course, we need a large sample size, but, you know, if you have an opportunity to get someone that you think is exponentially better then. I understand. Yeah. The, I mean, I would love to see them just be that open-minded, but I, 
I think, to be honest, I just mm-hmm. think they're way too prideful up in the front office just to do that because that, I mean, that took a lot of, that took a lot for the Cardinals to do that and almost admit that they were wrong after one yep. year. And I just, that doesn't seem like the mentality that sort of that the Redskins upper, upper people give off. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's always hard to tell. I've, I still don't really know what to think of Rosen. I mean, he's been on the two worst teams for two years in a row. Yeah. I think I think the best decision would probably be just to trade down and see what you can get and just build around Haskins. And if Agreed. he's not the guy, you just take the Vikings route and sign someone in free agency. And I know that's not that's not always how it works and you don't always come across a young quarterback on the market, but I I think you can do this and make the quarterback your last piece. Josh, I love your thoughts on all of this. Well, first of all, I was just about to ask you guys, are we going to have a Josh Rosen situation? Uh, and uh, so I'm glad that was a really nice segue there, Tom. But uh, Thank you. I, it depends on if, if they do get rid of Bruce Allen, which seems yep. to be like from what I've read from Burgundy Blog, some other guys, is like now it's suddenly like a real possibility. Yeah, like this is the first time in a long time where this has been like actually on the table. Yep. And if you get a new general manager, a new coach, you, like you get a completely new, brand new front office and management, it may give Dan Snyder enough. It might give him a way to cut bait. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If if he would still have Bruce Allen, and you know they hired one of their coaches. And then it would probably be a little too embarrassing to admit, okay, the Haskins thing didn't work out. We're going to draft another quarterback. But if you get a brand new coach and a brand new president or GM or whatever you want to end up calling it, um, and that guy decides, no, Haskins not the guy for what we're trying to establish, and they draft another quarterback, it sort of gives Snyder that excuse, like, well, the for, I want you know the new guys wanted to come in. I'm going to let them be hands on. Yep. It, it kind of gives him an out that way. Um, yep. <laughs> The problem is, which quarterback are you going to get? Yeah. And how do you honestly feel about him? You know, because coming into this class, we thought it was a really special class. Yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow came out of nowhere yep. and is now looking like the guy. Uh, which is the irony because Dwayne Haskins beat him out at Ohio State last year. Yeah. I mean, it really is kind of funny when you look at it that way. But you also got, you know, Fromm has been pretty disappointing. Mm-hmm. Like he just hasn't gotten better over these last three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Costello, what you know, got hurt a lot at, at Stanford. Then obviously, two is injury, and it's like, are yep. there any of these guys that you like are busting the door for down? Nope. I mean, are they maybe big fans of Herbert, or you know, it's kind of hard to say with a, a lot of these different these different guys because I'm sure that on every team's draft board, those guys are somewhere different. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure there are some people that still love Tua, some people that probably never did, some people that mm-hmm. falling off because of the injury. So. If one of these quarterbacks completely – like, you see top five potential, you see a guy that you have to take in that top five pick and and could be your franchise, just, you know, kind of turn it around and go for it. But uh, don't just draft another quarterback because you feel like you have to. So it's a really weird situation. I, I don't know what sure. they're going to do. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of it would have to do with Bruce Allen. I, I agree. And also just with, you know, looking at – Looking at this la- a year ago, um, we thought Herbert would be the number one overall pick last year. Or he was in that category, and we didn't even know if Kyler Murray was going to play football to begin with. 
And, you know, every single year uh, there is a player, there's a prospect that just gains momentum, momentum, momentum. And, you know, is that Joe Burrow? That it could very well be the case. I mean, if I were a, a bet, I am a betting man, I would probably put money on Burrow at this point. But, you know, I, I would say the narrative or the dynamic or, or the prospects of, uh, you know, an upcoming quarterback class is, you know, it, it's going to change almost on, it seems like a week to week basis, especially with, you know, injuries and, you know, with the combine, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm curious. It, it wouldn't surprise me. It really would not surprise me if we have another young rookie quarterback here next year. Unfortunately, I would, I would just be shocked. I, I view, mm. I view Haskins sort of in the same light that I guess I viewed RG three as far as how he's viewed by the organization. And I mean, mm-hmm. you saw how long it took took them to cut bait with him. And they mm-hmm. just would not let it go. And I feel mm-hmm. like the fact that this guy, this guy was like Snyder's golden boy who was handpicked. I, I, yeah. I just think it's going to take a lot for them to, to decide yeah. they're out. Yeah. Well, I, I think in, in particular, we have so many holes that we could upgrade so many different positions that it, it, that's okay. And, you know, typically a, a foundation needs to be well established um, in order for a young quarterback to, to succeed. And uh, most likely uh, you're looking at a complete overhaul of, of levels that we have never seen before, uh, at least hopefully fingers crossed. So, you know, the, the culture, the foundation of this roster, it, it's going to take years or at least, you know, normally should take years to develop. Yeah, I just I, I really think it all depends on Allen. Mm-hmm. And I th- I agree. I think if he gets rid of Allen and he brings somebody else new in, it gives him the excuse. But I I just don't know if if Bruce Allen's still there, then who's he exactly going to blame it on? You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, these next six months, you know, forget the rest of the what five or six weeks left. Yeah, these next six months are really what's going to be very important for this franchise moving forward. Sure. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I don't have a lot of faith in the rate getting done. So that's, that's a hard <laughs> no. thing to say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I do want to – this is a victory podcast, so I do want to get them some, some positive um, – some little bit of optimism here. I, I was writing some notes right before we started, and, you know, one of the first things is – and I like to pat myself on the back for this, guys. I, I think Quentin Dunbar is a pro bowler. I, I really think he is um, – you know, he, he is a C, CB1 at this point. He is playing unreal this year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure on Pro Football Focus had Number one. Number one, yep. And then <laughs> subsequently our two other starters, that being <laughs> Josh Norman and uh, Moreau, were ranked. Bottom. Up, <laughs> under 100 out of a sure. shade over 100 list. Mm-hmm. I have been a big fan of Dunbar. I've been, said it on here a few times mm-hmm. that we could well, cut, we could cut everybody else on that defense, keep him yep. and a couple in those defensive linemen, we'd be okay. He's uh, what? How do you, how did he ascend to this? Is it he just seems sticky? I I, I can't I I, I don't know because he he's not a, a physical corner. He's he's not one to really essentially you know gamble or make plays like that. But he's just quietly so reliable so far. And he, he hasn't been a liability in terms of tackling, which I know is something he's still getting used to. The logic I would use as a fan, like I don't, 
I, I obviously don't know as much of the football mechanics, but the logic that I would use, just the simple logic, would be since he did play receiver, he's just got much better ball tracking ability than mm-hmm. a lot of these other DBs. And you, I mean, you see it. It's just I feel like the best way to learn a position is to have played it. And mm-hmm. for him to have played receiver throughout college, I mean, I guess he probably just gets used to it and knows like where these routes break off and how quarterbacks throw the ball. And I think that just benefits him knowing his opponent. Sure. Uh, from a mechanical standpoint, he has outstanding hips. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was something that McLuhan seen in him Mm-hmm. And was able to get him to convert and and be you know embrace that change. Uh, he, you know he is kind of long. I mean he looks like an offensive player when you see him out there, like yep. by mm-hmm. his build and such. But uh, his hips, the way he can move his hips, the way he can flip his hips, are as good as I've like I've seen in a very long time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like pure athleticism wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not saying he was like the overall athlete as this guy, but in terms of the hip and the fluid movement, it's a lot mm-hmm. of Champ Bailey-ish. Yeah, I, he, I bet he's a really good basketball player. He could probably do a whole lot of things that he wants to. Yeah, do. I mean, he, he, I know he ran track at Florida, mm-hmm. and I'm sure he was a hurdler at some point because he, he's got, he's just very explosive from that waist down, and I mean the fluidity and the quick twitch in his hips, which is it's something you can't ever teach or mm-hmm. work on to get better at. It's just rare guys that have it. Hey, he And he was mostly going against Kenny Galladay, who's one of the better, uh, more underrated receivers in football. I don't know he had Jeff uh, Driscoll throwing him the ball, but, you know, anytime you could lock that guy up for the, you know, the better majority of a game, that is a, you know, I'll take it. Uh, I'm fine with getting beat by Marvin Jones, who's also good, or, or something like that. But, you know, Galladay is their number one threat on that offense. Yeah, I mean, he, he I've, I, you know, I've been praising him all season. The only problem mm-hmm. has always been he just doesn't stay healthy. Sure. But is he, and when he is healthy, he is he's very, very good. Is he a pro bowler this year? He might be. Sure. Because so, he's got, what, five or six interceptions? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get him some kind of – I would say the only reason he probably won't make it because he's on a bad team. Because yeah, because he's on a bad team. He's not a household name in the league, mm-hmm. and I don't know why. But the Pro Bowl is decided by the fans, which I yeah. think is it's difficult because it makes Pro Pro Bowl uh, making the Pro Bowl not not mm-hmm. as it doesn't hold as much weight when you see that's voted on by the fans. But at the same time, it does, and yeah. Just, I don't know. I feel like they might need to get rid of that, but that's just my little spiel on that. Sure. No, I, that's I, nodding in agreement. Um, I did want to move on to the other side of the ball, and I know we've, we've sung uh, Terry McLaurin's praises, as, and, and rightfully so. He could have had a, um, you know, just a – he's young, but a career day, so to speak. Um, but there's a couple other young guys that have really – it was my favorite draft pick um, from last spring, and that was Kelvin Harmon. I really feel like he is – Proving that, I mean, I, I know he's not necessarily a major asset building block type of type of player, but anytime you can get a, a guy that you can rely upon and out of the sixth round and just a quality football player, it looks like Kelvin Harmon's stuff plays. Is that is that just me? Yeah, he definitely looks – he is what, Trey, what we all thought Trey Quinn was going to be. Mm-hmm. He was the late-round GM wide receiver, and who I think – he, I think Terry McLaurin has just sort of overshadowed him because I don't think he's getting enough credit. He is way looked way better than anything that you would even expect to get in a round that late. He he reminds me of a older, 
um, Pierre Garçon, like a Garçon when he was here. I know Garçon was the first kind of a speed guy in Indianapolis, but he's a short to intermediate receiver with good hands. I mean, with that exception of that really tough wood um, catch he almost had last, yesterday. But, um, Josh, what do you think? I think he's a, a Marcus Colson type of guy. I could, yeah, that's a good, you know, that's a good comp. Bigger body, real broad-shouldered. Yep. yep, good um, blocker. Yeah, doesn't move like extraordinarily well, mm-hmm. but just kind of has a knack for getting open. And if he's open, he catches the football. You yep. know, that was kind of what Marcus Colton was. He mm-hmm. was not like he was actually probably a below average athlete, mm-hmm. but he just had a knack. And that's just how some guys are. Some guys just kind of have that knack. Yeah, he's got good instincts. Yeah, um, he does. He understands, he understands where he's supposed to be. You know, I'm sure he spends a lot of time on his route running and his placement. Um, and I mean, he's got great hands. Like if he gets, mm-hmm. if he gets a pole on it, he's coming down with it. Yeah. He had that one, one hander, uh, which was unbelievable yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what do you, could you see, a, you know, a starting receiving core next year of, you know, McLaurin on one side, Harmon on the other. And, you know, whether that's, you know, Steven Sims coming out of the slot or someone they, you know, they draft or are signed next year. Is that, uh, I think Harmony could really, um, you know, carve him out himself a nice role here. I think he could be a three receiver for mm-hmm. a good team. You know, I think I think McLaren can be your your borderline one two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but they they still got to find a number one guy, like just a guy that you know on third and six that you get the ball to, you're going to get that big first down. Um, but no, I'm, I'm a big fan of of both of those guys. I think you can absolutely move forward with those being two sort of um, fixtures in your receiving core for a long time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, the other young guy I want to talk to, I just talked about mentioning, and I'm glad that he was able to see the field more as well. And, you know, Stephen Sims scoring his, um, we had our first kick return touchdown in four years. Um, you know, this guy is just, he's lightning in a bottle. And um, I've always wanted a player like this. And we thought it was Brandon Banks at one point. And we, you know, we, <laughs> Uh, you know, there's some other names I'm, I'm blanking on at the moment, but you know, this is another guy who is, who's a piece. Um, he's going to be a threat on, on special teams, obviously. And I loved um, what Kevin O'Connell designed uh, for him uh, yesterday too. Just, you know, let's put this guy in space. We'll put him in motion and, and just, you know, play matchups. Again, yeah, I absolutely love the, uh, the play design. So they have him out in motion. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> point of the snap because that's just I don't know even when just me playing Madden when people do that to me it just catches my (laughs) eye so I I like the fact that we have we have something that we can we have sort of a trick button that we can just press and he's always there to just sort of make a big play when we need it Mm -hmm. he's he's most dynamic playmaker this team has had in a number of seasons I would say maybe since Deshaun Jackson yeah, that's a good good point. Josh, do you think we'll see him return punts anytime? Well, I should have been returning punts all year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, t- I tweeted I tweeted something yesterday that said that there the Redskins do a lot of things that I will never understand and Trey Quinn returning punts is pretty high up on that list. Good god. <laughs> what are we doing? Dude, it's gotten to the point to where I almost hate Trey Quinn, and I'm sure right? he's a great guy. Yeah. I just – I can't – they they, I don't know if it's the organization or, or what it is, but they mm-hmm. just 
so much better than he is. Mm-hmm. He's just not a very good football player. I, yeah, I'll never understand that, man. I've gone on rants about this a few times. I'll, I'll revert back to you guys. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, some other young players I, I did want it. There's one other guy who really stood out on, on, on TV for me yesterday, and that's Josh's guy. That's Cole Holcomb. I think he had 13 tackles. He had a sack. He really showed that, um, you know, he, he, I don't think anyone doubted his athleticism and, and physical ability to, you know, play at the next level, but I think it's starting to slow down for him a little bit. Yeah, he got his first career sack um, yesterday, I believe, and he's, he looks like he's just sort of coming into his own. He, mm-hmm. uh, I remember I kind of grilled him on, on this platform at the beginning of the year just because it seemed like on when these teams were gashing us on the run game, it seemed like he was always missing the hole. Mm-hmm. But it looks like he's sort of corrected that. And like you said, Tom, we never really had an issue with his athleticism. But one of the things I noticed while I was looking at his stuff is I remember hearing just throughout – the last couple of years that one of the things that coaches look for in linebackers is like, um, is their first step. And if it's in the wrong direction, it like messes up their whole rhythm for the play. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that he's starting to do that. Cause once I heard that, I started looking for it. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that he started to do that and it's helped him a lot. And he, I mean, he, I could almost argue he's progressed the most out of all the rookies this year, just because, I mean, obviously you want to say Terry McCorm, but he's been that guy all year. So mm-hmm. I, I really like what I'm seeing from him. I think it's going to be awesome once, Reuben Foster comes back. You've got yep. that solid young core, and John Bostic has been pretty solid there too. So I mean, you've got you've got some pretty nice pieces that anchoring the middle of your defense for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. A guy that I would like to praise defensively was actually Fabian Moreau. Yeah, and I think one hundred percent proved one more thing that we already knew, but it gave us a little more more juice for the evidence. Mm-hmm. That's that. Greg Minuski has no idea what he's doing. Correct. I mean, it, it's been so obvious that Fabian Moreau could not play slot or nickel corner. Nope. I mean, he just he's not built that way. But you nope. put him on the outside. He had his best game of his career. A ball player, man. Not not <laughs> just a you know guy that you keep around here and there. I mean, he looks like he could be a legitimate starter on that outside. He, uh, I remember Cooley like saying until he was blue in the face last year, saying he needs to be on the outside. He's really good on the outside and yeah <laughs> retweet what you just said uh he he had his best game uh, i mean by a mile i've ever seen him he was he was unreal but hey that goes back to to greg minuski man mm-hmm. he's always trying to put a round peg in mm-hmm. square. He's, he's tried to do it with everybody on this roster i mean we've seen him try to do it with mason foster Mm-hmm. And you know, sticking Mason Foster out in space against oh. people, and it was just kills over and over and over. Putting putting Preston Smith and and pass um, pass coverage in. Yeah, just and look at look at what Preston Smith's doing when he's being used right. I mean, yeah. best players in football this year up in Bay. Yep. And uh, yeah, it goes back to Minuski, man. It just feels like we we had. I think Jack brought this up a few weeks ago. How mm-hmm. people leave us and they end up becoming stars. Yep. And. Uh, Think that it's very easy. Why? It's because they're being misused. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I agree. And this had to happen because uh, Josh Norman was finally benched. And you know, I, I, I got a bias to this because you know we we were college classmates. But you know, it, it needed to happen. Needed to be done. And you know, Moreau having his best game is not a coincidence. And you know, I thought Jimmy Moreland showed. I mean, in his short career so far, but he. He was impressive too, um, you know. But I, I was thinking about it with Josh Norman, and we've 
we've brought in a lot of high profile free agents over the years and, and, you know, names that are basically, you know, curse words here, you know, from you know the Albert Hainsworths and, and, you know, the De- De- Deion Sanders, you know, the list goes on, you know, Josh Norman's been here for, what is it? Four years now, five years. Um, this has been really bad for the most part. Um, in, at least equaling up to his contract. How, how does, how does this Josh Norman era look to you guys? Um, I remember the first year he came, he looked pretty, he looked pretty solid. Yeah. He was, he's on. Um, yes. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Yeah. You're good. Just, uh, sort of like in the beginning of his tenure, he looked, he was never like lighting the world on fire, but mm-hmm. he looked, he looked at all right. He wasn't, he was, he never hit the $15 million mark that we were looking for from him. Mm-hmm. But he looked out okay, and then it seemed like you started to see the issues where he really didn't fit into our scheme, mm-hmm. and he started to see that more into years two and three of his deal, and he started to sort of get beat once guys realized they could just play right by him because he's not that type of corner. And it's just, I, I mean, then you hit I, – I don't know what happened with him, but then you hear all these reports that recently he's had trouble with communication on the defense, and it just seems like he's – He's turned into a shell of himself just mm-hmm. in all sorts of facets. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would have to imagine he's just checked out. Yep. I mean, you saw the play. At, I don't know it, a lot of these big reagent splashes that we've made is they've made a negative or a positive impact in one way or another. And mm-hmm. it felt like with Josh half the time, I forgot he was even there. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yep. you know, I, there was times when you sit there and, and – you would try like you would just be watching the game and he would finally make a play or or you see him on the screen and be like oh yeah Josh Norman yep you know whereas Deshaun Jackson made plenty of big plays that it made you be like oh yeah you know he, he all these other guys were kind of seen in one way or another and it felt like for four years with Josh mm-hmm. he just was kind of in the way like mm-hmm. he didn't do anything great didn't do anything too horrible it just sort of was like he was just another guy yeah, it was just blah um, with the exception of his you know, peculiar attitude and, and, you know, rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. He just, he, you know, I got to give credit to him and his agent. They capitalized off of a career, probably anomaly type year that he had in his last year in Carolina. And, you know, he, he, he got a lot of money off of it. And we were desperate mm-hmm. at the time when we signed him. Yep. It was just a perfect recipe kind of. Yeah, yeah. I think he's just going to go on a list of, you know, failed major free agent acquisitions that don't pan out. I don't know. I, I definitely agree that he's a failure. I just don't. Yeah, I mean, he's not like Albert Hainsworth level no, failure not, or, or, you know, something like Chris that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Like he, he at least suited up for mm-hmm. four seasons, whether he played the way he did or <laughs> with the world on fire. It's just, mm-hmm. I, I think. I think he hit a point where he sort of peaked mm-hmm. in that last year in Carolina and it kind of tink- like sprinkled into um his first year here. But I think, I think he's just done. I think he's, I mean, I don't know if you guys caught it, but uh, Twitter was freaking out because they saw him on the, uh, on the kick block team and he mm-hmm. just sort of, he had no sort of motivation to even try. And it just seems like you have a guy here who he had this idea of himself as this, prima donna cornerback and he's just he's just not viewed as that and even by the team that sort of stuck by him for forever when he was starting to get completely 
bashed by the media nationwide. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I think he just uh, – I think a lot of what Jack has said is right. He had a kind of a perception of himself, and that swagger sort of carried him that first year. And then you just sort of seen the confidence dwindle with the talent. Um, you know, he's not as outlandish as he had been. He sort of, it sort of seems like he's just kind of collecting his check at this point. And mm-hmm. to go back to that big year he had in Carolina, <clears throat> I think we're starting to find out a lot of that was schematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just in a good scheme. It fit mm-hmm. his strengths. It covered up his weaknesses. Yeah. Because if you remember the year after he signed with us, they had two rookie corners that played outstanding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So obviously he was just a kind of a, a mold and a typecast that that was used in that position during that defensive era, and uh, it kind of bit us in the ass. Sure. <laughs> For lack of better words, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I mean at this point because that you know that extra point um, effort that he put in, which was you know awful, uh, just you know deactivate him and you know play someone I've never heard of or, or just have them active. Cause I mean, what, what are we, what are we doing? Well, we get Danny Johnson back, right? Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about him. What about Greg Stroman? Can we see if he's something too, or is he done for the year? Um, and then the dude from Houston, who I can't remember his name. He's a uh... COVID. Yep. That there you go. Aaron Colvin. Got it. Sure. Why not? Um <laughs> Uh, what what are you guys' thoughts on um, – we didn't see – it wasn't a whole lot um, offensively from uh, the running game. Um, I'm just glad that Darius Geis had the most – played the most snaps out of the three. Um, I absolutely loved what I saw from Geis. I mm-hmm. saw that he can pass block efficiently mm-hmm. or effectively, which I know was – I'm pretty sure was one of his knocks on him during mm-hmm. his draft process. And then he also caught the ball well, which mm-hmm. is something that was an underrated skill of his. But – one of the things that bothered me about how they're handling the run game is it seems like they sort of alternate backs per game. Mm-hmm. So it's like when Peterson's the guy for the game, you kind of see guys once or twice mm-hmm. and then vice versa the other way, which I just don't understand because why wouldn't you want fresh bodies out there mm-hmm. every each, every other play? It just seems like, like I, I saw Peterson carry the ball once yesterday, if I can remember correctly. And just, that was something that stood out to me and it just, it kind of confuses me. I didn't know if there was any, strategic element to that, but mm-hmm. I think it's just cluelessness. Well, they split 10 and 10 yesterday. Oh, they did. I, yeah. I felt like I didn't even see Peterson. Um, now in terms of the, look, it's going to be hard to get any kind of run game going with the way <laughs> teams are playing Dwayne Haskins right now. Um, you know, the, the one thing you can say about the lines is Matt Patricia is very good defensively. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've held some really good offenses to their season lows this year. But, uh, you know, I mean, any of those runners are trying to face seven, eight guys in the box right now. And NFL defenses are too disciplined and too athletic that you're going to out-scheme seven or eight guys going against your six or seven. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that's kind of a great point to what somebody had made the other day about Arizona is, you know, they don't really have a good offensive line. They really don't have any good running backs, but they're still fifth or sixth in the league in rushing mm-hmm. because they're making – they're spreading it open, and they're just taking people out of the box, and it creates a better matchup for you know their six against the other team's six instead of trying to compete with six or seven lined up against eight. Yeah, it's kind of just it's, – it sounds simple, but 
you know, as long as there's eight guys stacked in that box, nobody's going to be able to run the ball successfully. No, absolutely not. Um, with in addition to Geis, I, I was pleased to see that we even Garen, uh, Jaron Christian was getting some snaps. You, you know, I I know that the I never thought I'd bring up Jaron Christian on this podcast, but you know, at this point, obviously we're in, we are in evaluation mode, and uh, clearly Donald Penn is not a long term answer here. So, you know, let's see what uh, we can get out of last year's third-round pick and not necessarily throwing him right into the fire, being the starting left tackle. But, you know, I, I credit the coaching staff, which is really hard for me to say, uh, to at least just, you know, start giving him some reps out there. Again, I think that's the mentality they should just have going forward. I mean, if there's a guy who either you're kind of – you kind of know what you have or he's someone you want to protect for the future, you just – you throw in guys, and like you guys are saying with the secondary, like bench Josh Norman, throw in some young guys, see what you have. Mm-hmm. Treat these last couple of games like they're just extra preseason games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's you know the the only thing that can come at the expense of that is if if Christian looks a little overwhelmed at that left tackle, mm-hmm. you can't uh, you can't keep him there too long because at the end of the day you got a rookie quarterback that you're trying to protect back there. Yep. So, you know, if, if he's at least holding his own or, or you think you can put him somewhere and he can be successful, then, yeah, of course, go for it. But you can't be sitting there the whole game like, oh, is he going to get Dwayne killed on this play? Or, sure. you know, that, that that's not really going to benefit much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, you know, I'm looking at the schedule moving forward. And, uh, you know, we play the Panthers next week, but I see the Packers here. The Eagles are going to be fighting for their playoff lives. And there's a week 16 will be a sloppy mess with uh, the Giants and Redskins, and then they play the Cowboys to end the season. Um, you know, so they're facing, you know, at least, you know, every single team is in playoff contention minus the Giants moving forward. So they are on completely different trajectories at this, you know, present moment. So, you know, how can we act accordingly with our, you know, young personnel? I, I, I probably would just rather, I'd rather suck with them than, than suck with, you know, Donald Penn, for example. Yeah, no, I agree with that. It's the same reason why you're playing Haskins over Keenum or, mm-hmm. or McCoy. It's just you, you yeah. want to see what you have and ha- at least have tape for next year to look over. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, I'm looking at the spread for next week. It looks like the Panthers are um, favored by 10 points at the moment. Uh, and they're, they're coming off of a pretty embarrassing defeat, I think. Um, I did they lose? It wasn't an embarrassing one. That was a close game. I apologize. Um, I think it was the week before in which Kyle Allen struggled. Um, is that right, guys? Yes. Okay. My my bad. Um, I mean, is there anything that you're looking forward to, um, you know, going into Sunday's game? Anything or anyone? <laughs> I don't know if there's anything I'm looking forward to. I, there are a couple of things I expect to see, but there's something mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Josh, what about you? Uh, just hopefully they're competitive again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was uh, it certainly wasn't a great football game to watch yesterday, but you stayed intrigued because the game was close. Yeah. Um, you know, you're going against a, a tough Carolina defense, tough run game. Um. You know, hopefully, just like this week, we saw a couple of our young guys ball out. Hopefully, it's a couple more next week. All right. Do we have a prediction for next week, for Sunday at least? 
Um, I'm going to go Carolina 31, Washington, and I'm going to say Christian McCaffrey goes for like 220. Yeah, what's the NFL record? Because that's probably what he's going to do. 296. <laughs> Josh, what do you think? Um, I have us losing 23 to 10. Okay, I'll go 27 to – well, I had 10 to. I'll do 27-13. Maybe we'll get a garbage, town, garbage time 45-yard field goal from Dustin Hopkins. Um, a few things that I just want to see specifically, uh, no more Trey Quinn returning punts. I don't care who else is doing it. Just <laughs> let's find out if someone can, if that's Steven Sims. Are you worried about him getting hurt? Then, you know, throw somebody else back there. I, I, I don't care. Um, keep playing Kelvin Harmon over Paul Richardson. Talk about free agent bust. This guy's terrible. Uh, you know he'll be in a different uniform next year. Uh, in addition to that, keep playing Jimmy Moreland in the slot. Let's see. Let's see what he can do. Um, other than that, just keep with Ascension with Cole Holcomb. Just start start showing that your stuff plays, young guys. That's pretty much all I can ask for at this point. And um, you know I'll just frustratingly watch the Ravens, my forty mile rivalry just probably look like the best team in football at the moment. That they do. Yep. Um, Josh, while I have you, I know this isn't football, but I, I have to ask, what are your thoughts on the uh, Astros scandal? Oh, man. I, I don't, it's gotten so many layers to it at this point. Mm-hmm. It's hard to like if, if they are getting if they're some of this stuff they're finding out if it's really true then it's crazy i, mm-hmm. I don't know what you do in terms of a punishment mm-hmm. um you know of course some people have said well we'll just strip the world series well uh, then you're getting into like a whole another ball game there mm-hmm. um but man you know the the band-aid with the little zappers and mm-hmm. the, the guy with the tv monitor sitting right outside the dugout i mean some of that stuff is really sketchy man and and the more and more they keep uncovering and, and showing evidence, it's starting to look really bad for that entire, I guess you could say, sort of legacy of that, you know, that Astros team. It's uh, it's starting to look pretty ugly. Yeah, I, I think we're going to see uh, fines and, and, and a punishment similar to comparable to what like a death penalty would be in the in the NCAA. Uh, I don't know exactly how to quantify because I don't think we've seen cheating of this magnitude and um, it's awful and I hate them now. And it was a team even during the world series that I admired, you know, the thing doing things the right way, so to speak. Uh, I think they've gone from the admirer to the villain. And, you know, I think their credibility is ruined. Anytime that Bregman hits a home run or Springer hits a home run from now on, they're going to be, they're going to, Oh, I I, I guess because they knew that was coming. Um, and the whole thing is a mess. I don't know how they're going to quantifiably figure out how to punish them. Um, but I would say, uh, base. Can you guys hear me? Yep. I would say baseball's lucky. I feel Major League Baseball is very lucky because if the Astros won this World Series, then we got to. What do we do? Replay it? I, I don't know. So you know, the rightful team won. Thank God it was my team. Well, we know how Roger Goodell would handle it. Or he extension. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, guys. Well, this was fun. Glad we got to catch up. You all have a good Thanksgiving. And um, my name is Tom Natale.
find me on Twitter. Talk to me anytime. I'm down. And um, Jack Josh, I'll let you guys go ahead. Uh, my name is Jack Brizendine. You can find me on Twitter at Jack P. Brizendine. And my name is Josh Webb. You can find me on Twitter at Coach underscore Webb LF. All right. Guys, enjoy your Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you soon. Right, you as well. All right, have Thanks, a good one, bud. See you.